I definitely look for good in people. I see good in people very easily. And sometimes I think in a workplace, people don't get enough of that. Mm. I, I don't know whether people get embarrassed or they're busy. For me to be able to help people understand what they have as a strength is surprising to individuals at time. People have so much talent and some of that is just unleashing some of that talent and helping them understand the value of it or how they might use it a little better. It is quite a rewarding career in that sense to be able to help mm. people understand that value. Hello, and welcome to the new series of Realising Your Potential. In this very special series, I have the pleasure of speaking to inspiring women about their leadership journeys. From politicians to project managers, executive coaches to presenters, these women have done some incredible things and make for fascinating conversations. We discuss the challenges they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and explore what organisations can do to drive greater gender equality. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about, sharing perspectives and ways of thinking that educate, empower, and celebrate. So join me as we dive into some great conversations with amazing people from all walks of life. I can't wait to see what we discover together. This is a special week for me because I'm introducing you to someone who has been an incredible role model and mentor to me. I'm thrilled to be speaking with Wendy Lenton, who is an executive coach, but was my HR director in a previous life. Wendy is one of the people who has had a huge impact on me both professionally and personally. It's so amazing to have her on the show today. She has so much wisdom and knowledge to share. If you're not familiar with coaching as an essential leadership skill, Wendy explains why it's so critical today and shares practical tips to make coaching as effective as it can be. I know you're going to enjoy hearing what Wendy has to say, so let's get started. Wendy Lenton, welcome to Acolyte Wines, Realising Your Potential podcast. It's absolutely delightful to have you here today and to be speaking with you. Thank you very much, Ange. It's a pleasure to be here. Can we just start off by introducing yourself and how did you get into coaching? Yeah, sure. Look, I've been in corporate life for well over 30 years and the majority of that I've spent as a HR director. And invariably, as a HR director, 50% of what you do is coaching. And I found over time, I was leaning more towards being involved in process and governance and boards and all very important, but not what I wanted to do or where I could add most value. So I've shifted into my own business and I coach leaders and teams to accelerate their success. So now in life, I'm absolutely in my sweet spot. I love it. Now, I know that the area that you really focus on is particularly leaders in transition. Can you just talk a little bit about what that actually means? I think where someone is in a transition, so they might be shifting from a certain level to another level or they're moving into an organisation, in that state, people have intention behind what they're doing. And I think you're far more open and willing to really do whatever you can to succeed. So as a coach, you can have the most impact because transitions are really important, whether you're going into an organisation, whether you're leaving an organisation, 
and typically also in a transition, you are looking at deeper levels. You're looking at identity. You're looking at what your role is. You're looking at routines. It's sort of a broader, more complex landscape for a coach to be involved in. We talked about the fact that coaching was a big part of your career as being um, a HR director, but coaching has become a real part of leadership now as well, whether you're a a line leader or an executive, but it can be overwhelming or daunting for leaders. What would be your advice? How do I start a coaching conversation or a coaching process? Yeah, it's a good question. There is an expectation from leaders now in how they lead their people. And for me, there's two things probably here. I mean, most leaders, they've got complex worlds, they're advising, they're telling, they're solving problems, they're helping others. And really, they're expected to have the answers, whereas coaching is a very different way of showing up. Coaching is about listening. It's about asking good questions. And coaching is about allowing the person that you're coaching to have the insight. So as a leader, you really have to switch gears when you're going to coach. And it is stopping and saying, so in the next conversation that I'm going to have with someone, how am I going to show up? How am I going to be different? What's my intention? And it doesn't take long to be in that state but I do think you've got to remind yourself whether it's a two-minute check-in with yourself before the discussion to say actually I'm going to put on a different way of operating right now the second piece is just the setup we all know when someone's come along saying hey can I have a word with you or I need to give you some feedback immediately you're on the defense so great coaching is really setting up the environment so the other person's comfortable they can feel vulnerable that they're able to really talk to you in an open way. To do that, you've got to put some effort in. So as a leader, just try and spend a little bit of time on the setup, just making sure the other person is feeling relaxed and comfortable. And and in the coaching world, we talk about a towards state. If someone's feeling threatened, they're not going to open up. You're not going to have a great conversation. So as a leader, you're going to waste your time and you don't have time to do that. So make the most of that time by being intentional and setting it up well. When you talk about being really intentional and getting ready for a coaching conversation, how much time should I spend and what should I be doing? Is there any tips there? In coaching, your job is to hold the space. Your job is not to come with content. Your job is to focus on the how. Your job is to enable the person that you're coaching to be able to talk to you. One of the most powerful things that any coach can do is set up the right environment and then say to the other person, so what's on your mind? And ask that question three times. And I can guarantee you the first answer to that question will be less valuable than the third time that they answer. And you've got to trust me on this one, Ange, but quite seriously, just getting the other person to really share with you what's going on in their head, what their challenges are, what their opportunities are, what their ideas are, that's what a great leader will do with their people. And coaching doesn't have to be long-winded. I think this is other thing about coaching takes a long time. 30 minutes is ample time for a really effective coaching session. So I think for a leader, the less preparation you do, the better.
Yeah. The more you're preparing, you're going to be driving your agenda, your views. And it's not about that. It's trying to get the insight and the understanding from the person you're coaching. And I do trust you because so the listener knows you were my HR director many years ago. Um, well, I won't say many years ago because that ages and we're not that old, but you were my HR director and I've been coached by you. And I think the thing that I remember really fondly, the role of the coach is almost a facilitation role. You facilitate a process where people find their solutions. And the other thing is that when I've been coached by you before, I don't really know the process is happening to me if that makes sense. And I don't know if you've ever had that feedback before, but it's almost like you have an aha moment when you come out going, oh, I didn't realise that was happening to me, but I really know how to make my way through this issue or situation. Oh, I totally agree with you. It is about facilitating conversation and it is less about the process. The, the less process that's in front of someone, the better, because I do think sometimes of too much process, people can get in that threatened state or what's this about? You just want to have a conversation with someone. But as a leader, you want them to really talk. It, it's not you're taking up 50% of the time talking and just asking them, hey, have you got anything else to add or what else do you think? Sometimes it's just staying in the inquiry rather than giving the answers. It's hard because as a leader, you've got a whole lot of answers, but you've, you've got to get them to think it through for them to own uh, what they believe and think because it's going to be far more successful in the long run if I come up with an insight if it's my idea my view I'm far more likely to own that to deliver that what leaders are wanting is higher performance from people so the more they have the insight they'll act on it because they own it more it just makes a lot of sense to coach rather than to tell people how to do things You've mentioned feedback and we've all had those moments when someone said, I want to give you some feedback and you always have that feeling in your gut going, oh, is this mean I'm going to get in trouble? And you and I have both worked in a really rich feedback environment where if you didn't get feedback, you kind of go, why are you giving me feedback? What's going on here? Can you talk to us a little bit about how we create the environment to give feedback? Because it's not something that generally comes natural to anyone, is it? Linking back to the organisation we both worked in, feedback was uh, what everyone sought on a daily basis. And I used to have people coming up to me all the time. I was nearly exhausted giving feedback. <laughs> I've got to tell you, when you've got that environment, it works. Because when you're asking for it, you're not defensive. You're, you're really wanting it. You're hungry for it. And you've got sort of a captive audience. But not that many organisations have that environment. You, you've got to spend good time setting that up. But for me, there's a couple of things. I think feedback needs to be immediate to have real impact. We know those stories of where you save it all up and you're giving feedback every six months. It's just not going to work. And sometimes we avoid the tough conversations with people. But again, they don't get easier. So that, that's why as soon as you need to have a conversation and give some feedback, then set yourself up to do that. I think the second thing is around ask permission, asking someone, can I give you some feedback? At least it's giving them some choice in it. And then find a model. There's heaps of models out there. So the SBI model is, is a model that I'm aware of, but it just allows for clarity around the situation, what their behavior was, and then what the impact is. So mm. it really spells it out for them. It's in bite-sized chunks and they can do something with that. And it removes the personalization. It becomes quite objective. It's an observation. And then the individual can take that feedback and do something with that. That's great advice. 
sometimes if I find feedback quite difficult to give, I like to sit with it for a day and almost journal it out so that when I give the feedback the following day, it's more factual and objective than having an emotional reaction. Which is really important, Ange. As a leader, you've got to get yourself under control. So you said it, to get your sort of emotional regulation, if it ends up hitting you quite hard, then you've got to, you've got to make sure you've got the right frame when you go into the conversation. So when I'm saying give immediate feedback, I, I don't mean do it in the next minute. <laughs> there is preparation required to really make sure that someone hears your message in a really constructive way. I know less and less leaders are doing this, but, you know, just getting something off your chest is not a good move. Like if you've got to get something off your chest, do it with a peer or talk to some trusted partner. Every conversation builds on a relationship with your employee and you need to do those well or as well as you can. How important is psychological safety as a leader when you want to coach or just lead your team generally? I think psychological safety is important no matter what you're doing. As a leader, I think our people should have the opportunity to feel welcome and safe and a growth culture in any successful business is about really welcoming different point of view. And when you don't have psychological safety, you've got people typically being quieter, spending a lot more time thinking about what they're going to say or how they're going to say it or will they say it at all. And no doubt in these COVID times, the psychological safety takes on a completely different meaning where people are more in Zoom meetings and have a whole range of different challenges and stresses to manage. In a coaching sense, my belief is you won't be able to coach unless you have psychological safety. And I say that because most people, if they're in a threat state, if I feel threatened by this conversation, I'm not going to be open. I'm not going to be honest. I, I protect myself and probably for good reason. So I think if you're a, a leader that genuinely wants to coach well uh, and to get the most out of your people, then yeah, creating that place that people can be themselves and speak up and you as a leader really welcoming, really bringing them into the fold. If you've got a team of five people and one person is, is not coming forward as much because of their style or their way or their concerns, then it's your job as a leader to really reach out to that person and try and help them integrate within the team so that their voice is heard and they contribute to the team and the effectiveness of that team. I think a role the coach plays that doesn't always happen as much as it should in a workplace is you're pointing out the good. I, I definitely look for good in people. I see good in people very easily. And sometimes I think in a workplace, people don't get enough of that. Mm. I, I don't know whether people get embarrassed or they're busy or it's for me to be able to help people understand what they have as a strength is surprising to individuals at time. And people have so much talent. And some of that is just unleashing some of that talent and helping them understand the value of it or how they might use it a little better. Or it is quite a rewarding career in that sense to be able to help mm. people understand that value. And if you're leading a team, knowing that each person brings different strengths and value, it's quite a powerful place to be if you can harness all of that collectively. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what great teams do. They, they don't expect everyone to be good at everything and they really honour those that have those skills and, and work well together.
As a leader, I've already got a very hectic schedule. I'm in back-to-back meetings. I'm balancing office versus home and everything else in between. How do I make the time for coaching? I absolutely get the complexity leaders are dealing with and the number of things they've got. But great leaders will prioritise the development of their people. You only need 30 minutes to really coach well. And, And putting that aside to coach someone isn't a lot of time. The longer term benefits of coaching someone in your team is just invaluable to the performance in your business. I don't think there's good reasons for leaders not to be coaching their people on a daily basis. What's the best coaching you've ever received and why? course it was a transition (laughs) and it was look when I first went into my big HR director role I changed organizations it was a very different organization to where I was and there was just so many new things in my career at that stage and the pace was very different and I just felt I was drinking out of the fire hose, to be honest. So I said to my boss, look, I think I'd like a coach or a thought leader or someone to help me and just to make sure that I'm really anchored. And I went off and I was coached uh, by this woman. But I've got to say that the best that she ever did was, was when my defences were down. Uh, I remember once I happened to have a cold, really bad cold, and I said, maybe we shouldn't do coaching day. She said, no, this is the time to get you because actually your defences are down. But strangely, she was correct. I really was vulnerable in that moment. I was a teeny bit more emotional than I normally am. And it just meant we got to a deeper level. So, so, so my point being, coaches that can get to, to that level without you being sick is yeah. really hard work, but really worth it. And then finally, Wendy, before we close out, the final question I have for you is, are there any coaches that you admire? Yeah, definitely. Coaches that I admire are coaches that probably balance the process and the expertise with heart. I think a good coach has great emotional intelligence and they've got you in their corner. So that's who I admire. I want to work with coaches that want to help people be at their best. And Mm. so it's as simple as that. And there's a lot of coaches, unfortunately, out there that frankly are a little ordinary. So it is important that you find the right coach. And the first thing for me is finding a coach that you relate with and that you're going to trust. And then secondly, just talking to a coach about how do they go about their practice? Does your coach have a coaching supervisor? That's so telling, knowing a coach has a coaching supervisor tells you that they're about mastery and about really driving the best outcome for their clients. So it's a bit of a mix of both for me. I I definitely want someone that's got good emotional intelligence so that they can get at that deeper level, but also has good mastery and is continually learning. That's the other thing. There's so much new work coming out from the Neuro Leadership Institute around the brain and coaching. I don't want to go to a coach that's just looking at yesterday's models. I want someone that's really practicing what they're preaching, which is helping others to thrive. That's great advice. Wendy Lenton, thank you so much for speaking with us. So many great insights. And I know people are going to really benefit and learn from you. And yeah, it's been just so lovely speaking with you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thanks, Ange. I've had an absolutely fabulous time and it's just a great thing that you're doing. So thanks for having me.
I'm so glad you decided to take the time to listen to this week's episode with Wendy. It was a brilliant conversation packed with so many tips about leadership and coaching. I was furiously taking notes the whole time. One thing I'm definitely taking away is that your role as a coach is to spot the greatness in others and to bring that out at every opportunity. Too often, coaching is used to fix bad behavior, but it's so much more than that. When people know their strengths and even better get to use them, that's where the magic really happens. What did you take away? I'd love to hear what inspired or helped you grow in some way. You can respond by leaving a review, or if you're listening on Spotify, you can answer via Q&A section in the app. If you found this conversation as helpful and inspiring as I did, please remember to share it with friends and colleagues. You just never know who else it might positively impact. Next week, I'm speaking to Rebecca White, leader of the Tasmanian Labor Party and MP for the state seat of Lyons, where we discuss the gender stereotypes she faced when first starting out in politics, why she gets grumpy when people say quotas aren't a good thing, and the pivotal moment that gave her the confidence to run for Parliament. As always, links and resources can be found in the show notes. Until then, thanks for listening and take care.